This is James Walker, and welcome to Real Talk, Real People. This is the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people to hear what they have to say about the issues and problems we face as a society. Hello, folks. Thank you very much for joining us again this week. You know, two of the factors that led to so many black and brown people dying from COVID-19 was obesity and diabetes. And we briefly touched on the fact in a previous episode that COVID-19 wasn't the only disease that black and brown people had to worry about. And as an extension of that episode, we're putting renewed attention on the food we eat and how healthy our diets are. And we're not talking about diets in the sense of being overweight or diets to lose weight. We're merely talking about diets in the sense of how healthy are the foods that we're putting in our bodies. But if you've been to the supermarket, folks, you know that eating healthy isn't cheap. I don't care what they say. I know we get a lot of dietitians, nutritionists, and people on TV with vegetables and recipes, you know, spread out before them. And they are pushing this thing that eating healthy is cheap, but it's not. And you only have to go to the supermarket to make that determination for yourself. But that is where Community Gardens comes in. My guests today are Eliza Cardwell, and she is a community gardens manager at Gather New Haven, and she oversees some 50 community gardens. And also joining us will be Alexander Morales, and he is an operations assistant at the Green Village Initiative in Bridgeport, and they oversee 12 community gardens. And they're here to talk to us a little bit about how those community gardens are benefiting low-income communities. New Haven Farms runs several farm sites around the city, and most of the produce that they produce goes to the Farm-Based Wellness Program, which identifies people who are at risk of diabetes and other illnesses and sort of works with them. Like They do a lot of cooking demos and talking about food, and then they give them sort of CSA share produce baskets from the farm. Is and, that, go ahead. And the rest of the produce that goes, that comes from the farm goes to farm stands. There's a reoccurring one at our Ferry Street farm location. And then there's a pop-up market at the Fairhaven library. So those are, that's where the rest of the produce from the farm go. And when you say um, produce, I'm assuming you're saying lettuce, tomatoes, corn, the cob, that kind of thing. Or when you say, what are we talking about when we say produce so that people actually um, know what we're talking about? Yeah, they produce a wide variety of things. I wish I had the list in front of me, but um, yeah, they definitely do tomatoes, collards, kale, carrots. I've seen fennel growing there that I was very excited about. Beet, chard. So all and the stuff that's just, good that's for the body. That's probably a fraction of, sorry? All the stuff that's good for the body. Yeah, yeah. As far as community gardens go, which is 
where I mostly focus. It's good for the body physically and emotionally. Each person who gardens with us has their own garden box, like a wooden bed that they can grow whatever they want in. Some gardens do communal gardening, so they'll do sort of row crops and they'll all work on them together. So it has the double benefit of you get to eat what you grow and it just relaxes you. I think that so many of our gardeners use our gardens as a place of recreation and just sort of rejuvenating your mental health because once you walk into a garden it just feels different from the sidewalk <laughs> and the street yeah yeah and it just gives you a chance to sort of be within nature and interact with it and experience it so you have the farm stands and you have the community gardens how many community gardens do you have uh, and are you just in new haven or are you in new haven county we're just in New Haven, and we have about 50 gardens. Wow. So there, with 50 gardens, I'm assuming that there, that there is a, an interest there from the general public. Is that interest growing? It certainly did this year. We had over 70 applicants on our online application form and others that just walked into gardens and asked for plots, which is totally fine. Um, people calling and asking for plots. So there, there are a bunch of ways that you can get them, either the online form, calling, or just going into a garden and asking someone about it. Now, so there was definitely an increase this year. And how big, uh, now I guess people are uh, awarded is the wrong word, but I, I guess they're given <laughs> um, plots. How, how large are these plots in for instance, if I'm a family of four and I grow, how much can I grow in this plot that we're talking about? That's such an interesting question. Most of the plots are eight by four. And how much you grow can really depend on your experience with gardening and your willingness to shove plants next to each other. <laughs> plants really can grow in some proximity to each other they do shade each other out to some extent so there is a limit that you can grow in that kind of space but if you're really an expert you can sort of succession plan them like you harvest one thing you plant another throughout the season so you can if you're really good you can get a whole lot out of that space and i have to say that even though i've been gardening a long time I'm not there yet. <laughs> so a masterful gardener could get quite a lot. Now, when amateurs such as um, I would be, if, if I came to you, what, um, what do you advise people to do? And what is the one item that most people want to plant first? Tomatoes. Tomatoes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Everyone wants tomatoes. And... For good reason, they tend to produce really well without the gardener needing much experience. They do get problems such as disease, but I think they're the thing that most people start with. And because the difference between a homegrown tomato and one you get at the grocery store is astronomical. 
it tastes so good when you grow it yourself and it tastes fine when you get it from the grocery store. So I think that's what hooks people a lot on gardening is the flavor of home produced foods and certain ones there's a bigger flavor difference and tomatoes are definitely one of them. And would you who what would you say are uh, your clients who who comes to you is it are, are they elderly people? Are they parents? Are they teens and kids or parents trying to um, get their kids involved in agriculture? Where would you say the interest lies? I would say we have a lot of elderly folks. Um, we have some gardens that are almost exclusively for elderly folks. They're maybe connected to a senior housing place, and it's an, an ability for them to get outside and garden. We have a lot of kind of young professional age range. We have a few families that I know of, um, but I'd say it's more individuals or couples that are using our garden. Let's let Alice get a word in here and talk a little bit about urban farming and urban urban farmers. We're the only urban agriculture nonprofit in Bridgeport, the largest city in Connecticut, a very diverse population. And Bridgeport is, we would have formerly called a food desert, but now we're referring to them as food apartheid because food desert implies some kind of natural uh, occurrence where food apartheid kind of illustrates the intentionality uh, of how the current system is where there's not really grocery stores for people. There are people who are maybe too poor to, uh, to buy healthy food. It's, you know, healthy food is not a cheap commodity. Uh, they may not be able to have the time after work or the energy to take a bus and then lug a bunch of groceries to and fro from where they live. So what we try and do is we, we have our main community farm at uh, 1469 Reservoir Avenue, which is uh, we, we grow our foods. We have volunteer days every Saturday. We have a youth program that uh, it's like a paid internship for them every summer. We let people, uh, we let them g- come in, grow food, teach people about gardening and farming, or let people who maybe have prior knowledge of farming and gardening come by and teach us things or give them an opportunity to put their knowledge into into the soil. And um, we also have our community gardens. We have 12 community gardens throughout Bridgeport, a bit smaller than our main community farm, but this is where people can, they can apply for a plot of land. Uh, we give them their little plot and they can come by, they can grow and keep their own food. So it's, it's all about like the community involvement, uh, letting people grow healthy food. We our farmer's market, which is every Saturday, although our last one is coming up this Saturday. Uh, we sell back the, uh, the vegetables, the growth, we, the, the harvest that we had. Uh, we, we try to sell it as a, a very cheap, uh, very reasonable price because there's no point in growing all this food and then selling it back at high prices that couldn't, you know, aren't easily affordable. Now, I, I, let me interrupt you a moment because you did say something to me that is very important. And I think it's important to a lot of people because we keep watching TV and listening and hearing commentators or health experts tell us that eating healthy is cheap. 
And I've always insisted that there is no way. I, I look at the prices of vegetables and so forth and fruits, you know, in the supermarkets. And not only are they, in my, in my opinion, not ripe and so forth and really very, you know, really tasty, you know, but they are very high priced. So I, I just want to applaud you for making that statement that eating healthy is not cheap and also applaud you for <laughs> providing a way that people can eat healthy at um, at cheaper prices. So let's talk a, a minute about these urban farmers and, and what you're teaching young people about um, the value of growing their own produce. So the youth program came from just community interest, like a bond forming very naturally that way. Um, so we, we want to give them, and then we give them the opportunity to learn about growing, expose them to environments that they normally wouldn't be able to see. We also have our school programs where people can, we have community gardens in the schools, uh, in many different schools in Bridgeport, and then like almost like an after-school program, we have like a curriculum. They can come by. The kids can learn about growing, and we, you know, we consider it to be like a very evolutionary process. We have someone who who works for GVI who started off in the youth program, and now they're working in the youth program themselves, helping out the next uh, next generation of uh, farmers. So. We wanna we wanna give people this opportunity that that they may not have had to to if they and they may even have the knowledge already. We have people who have immigrated from other countries where they grew up on farmland and they're very comfortable in the soil, but now they're living in Bridgeport and they don't have that opportunity to to grow stuff and now they do. So that's that's something that's very important to us. What about nutrition? Do you guys have a program or someone that talks about the nutritional value of growing your own produce? Uh, we don't specific, like in more in a broad sense, like just the general healthy advantages of eating more vegetables, of, uh, of not having as much processed food. Um, and, and, you know, like you were saying with the the it's not cheap eating uh, healthy. And even if it is, it's never cheaper than eating unhealthy. Right. So, so we just want to, we want to focus on making sure people have the accessibility to just like the, you know, basic necessities, like all these different vegetables that they can incorporate. We, we do have, I get in a way of teaching about nutrition, we have workshop series uh, every once in a while where we may have like a, a local chef or even a GVI member talk about like a way you could cook, you know, certain meals you could cook with vegetables you could get right from our farmer's market on Saturday. You're listening to Real Talk, Real People, the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people. Eliza Cardwell and Alex Morales are here talking about the rising role of community gardens and the effect that they are having on urban and low-income communities. It seems that a lot of low-income people are recognizing that buying vegetables at the supermarket is just not fitting in with their pocketbook, so to speak. So they are taking notice to 
community gardens and they're flocking to these farm stands and other places where they can buy the cheaper and healthier produce. So in early spring, you can grow the sort of leafy greens like kale, collards, beets, those sorts of things. And then the window for putting in tomato, pepper, eggplant, bean vegetables is like around May 15th to June 15th, thereabouts, because those are heat-loving plants. So if you planted them too early or too late, they'll either get snapped up by cold or they won't produce in time. And then towards the middle of the summer to end of the summer, um, you can start planting those kale and collards and leafy greens again for a fall harvest. And the one who is masterful at this is our farm manager, Jocelyn. She's got seedlings and seeds going in at all different times. She has an incredible crop rotation. She really knows how to maximize what can get grown at what time. And for people who, are people able to call you guys to get advice? Do you have like program, gardening programs and what to do, what not to do, how to do, that type of thing? I would like to develop more classes and workshops around uh, how to grow and what to grow. There's a pretty infinite amount of topics that you can learn about as far as gardening. Um, We do have district coordinators who are always available for gardening questions. There are people who have been gardening for a really long time and they know a lot. And within every garden, there are experts or people who know a whole lot or just people who have tidbits that they can share that will make each other's gardening better. Everyone has different knowledge sources and things that they've tried. And so that's the benefit of community gardening is that you can talk to others and see what their input is on what you're doing or how you might improve. If people don't have a community garden near them or they don't get a plot, you can always try gardening at your own house. Get a a large, you know, nursery pot or a couple small ones and just try growing a few things, you know. If you're interested, just give it a shot. And it's always better to grow in a container in some sort of pot um, because you don't know what might be in your soil. And you can control the soil that's in the container. You can know that it's a really nice blend of soil and compost that you buy from the store. And that's a great way to just see if you like gardening and see if you enjoy getting that food. And usually the answer is yes, and your garden plants will just get bigger and bigger. But I would say that if anyone's interested in gardening and not sure they want to get a whole plot just yet, either try gardening at home in containers or just volunteer in the garden. Get to know people, see what growing in a plot is like, um, and you can kind of see if it's for you. I don't live in Bridgeport, but... When I found out about Green Village Initiative, I was almost like, wait, there's a, a farm in Bridgeport? Like, it didn't, I couldn't really picture it. Yeah, no, I actually had to be frank. I was I was very surprised, there, particularly in the where, where it's located. I was really, really very, very surprised, but actually very pleased because I do think that um, growing your own food and your own 
produce is something that is really happening across the United States. And I begin to think about this podcast because I have a brother in Pennsylvania and a sister in Rhode Island, both who are homeowners and they are into gardening and growing their own foods. And they had been urging me to do a podcast on this. So, you know, I think that this is, you know, I think people in urban areas don't see the possibility of that. But I see that you have uh, an urban farmer training program. Yeah, we unfortunately, because we partner with UConn, that had to be put on hold because of the, the COVID precautions. But we still... We still do have um, we still have do have our youth program, and we still we're trying to get our school program. Uh, it it seems like we're gonna have success with that this year. Um, so we still do want to teach people uh, these gardening skills because it is you know it's like gardening. It probably has in many people's eyes like a white face, but it it is there are many uh, people who are currently who are black farmers, people who if it was not for you know, the history of America taking land from people, there would be many more black farmers and people who should have the opportunity just because they live in an urban environment to be a farmer and, or to just grow their own food. And is that a very popular thing to do amongst Hispanics? Uh, amongst Hispanic people? Yes. Uh, yeah, we do. We have many, we... We have many uh, Hispanic people invo- involved. Um, we try to tailor, like we try to make sure all of our mail blasts. We have uh, are also in Spanish. We have our community garden app plot application is in Spanish as well. We offer it in English, Spanish, and Portuguese at the moment. Uh, so we, we, we definitely, we have, you know, Bridgeport, uh, formerly known as Bridgeport, Puerto Rico, to all my old school Bridgeport residents. Uh, we have a very a very popular uh, and big Spanish population. And we, we, you know, it's not like we just want to accommodate them. Like it, it wouldn't be right to not, you know, include them and, and put the effort into making sure everything's available in English and Spanish. So if, if a person wants to participate, what do they do? So they could participate. There's a, a couple ways right now. We have volunteer events at Reservoir Community Farm every Saturday. You can come by, learn a little about farming and gardening. It's from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. every Saturday. Just come on through. We're, we're very we're very safe. We take a lot of precautions right now. Uh, so you can definitely feel comfortable. It's an outdoor area. Uh, so that's one way to get involved. We have community garden cleanups that if you uh, – if you're on our email list, you should, you'll get notified about, or if you follow us on social media, our Instagram is Green Village Initiative, and so is our Facebook. We have a website, gogvi.org, where you can learn a little bit more about our about our programs, about uh, you know updates. We have like we've been getting a little more into the the digital side. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, Green Village Initiative. Uh, we're posting workshop series, uh, and most importantly, we have our virtual Harvest Fest coming up from October 26th through the 30th. We're going to do one workshop each night from Monday to Friday. And you can also contact Gather New Haven. You can call them at 203-562-6655 or email them at 
gather new or i should say go online and check them out at gathernewhaven.org and i'm sure if you peruse their websites you can find a lot of ways to get involved you've been listening to real talk real people if you would like to be on the show have a comment about the show or perhaps you have an idea that the show should explore give us a call at 203-605-1859 or email us at realtalkrealpeoplect at gmail.com and remember start your Sundays with my column in Hearst Connecticut newspapers statewide and start your Mondays right here at Real Talk Real People have a good week folks we'll talk again next week